Okay, so Romans uh, chapter 15, beginning at uh, verse 5 on page uh, 1141. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and, moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Uh, The second reading is from Philemon, uh, page 1200 of the Blue Bibles. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing that we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favour you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you and answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now, they tell me that we were last here in October 
um, my wife Nikki and I, and um, either one of the two things must have happened. Either Sean must have been incredibly desperate this time, or uh, we did incredibly well. Either one of those two things. Because I'm back. <laughs> and it's really good to be back here amongst you. Um, we so enjoyed our first two services this morning. Um, and um, as we looked at this little book in the New Testament, um, I, I just pray that, uh, yeah, that God might be teaching us here tonight something that, that he wants us to learn. Before we had computers and smartphones and emails and Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat, we had letters. Now, letters took time to compose. We needed ink and we needed paper. We needed a quiet place to sit to write our letter. It also involved stamps and envelopes and postal workers to deliver our letter. It was a complex process, but one that worked incredibly well for thousands of years. Letters could bring good news, bad news, sometimes in the one letter. Uh, Wilson Pickett, who some of you will know, but probably not all of you, he wrote a song about a letter. Joe Cocker made it a hit. It goes, give me a ticket for an aeroplane. I ain't got time to take a fast train. All the lonely days are gone. I'm coming home. My baby, she wrote me a letter. And Paul wrote Philemon a letter. It's very different from his other epistles. For a start, it's really short. We were able to read the whole thing in one go. And it doesn't contain the theological arguments that mark his other letters. And in reading it like this, some people might wonder why it is even in our modern Bibles at all. Sean tells me that to his knowledge it's never been preached on here in 15 years. So I'm really pleased tonight to be the one breaking that mould. I think it's a wonderful letter that has much to teach us about God and the fellowship of believers. Now, I don't want to do all the heavy lifting here tonight. I've already preached two sermons already today. So as we look at this letter, I'm going to ask you some questions, and they're not rhetorical questions. So the first one is this. What do you think is the big idea in this letter? What jumps out the page at you as you read it before? Paul is the go-between for reconciliation. Excellent. Anything else? Well, maybe I had a bit more time to look at it because I think there are three things and uh, that we can learn from this passage. And the first one, I think, is the characteristics of believers. Now, what sort of people should Christians be? And that is not a rhetorical question. What sort of people should we be? 
Beg your pardon? Reflections of Jesus. You can access the passage if you want to. You can, yes? Loving and forgiving. Hospitable. Excellent. Let's see, maybe. They are all really good answers and they are... They are all part of this passage. Let's see if we can find a few more. It's not always easy living in a family. I'm sure I'm not the only one who couldn't wait to put some distance between me and my brothers and sister. I get on, them, I get on with them really well now, but I still don't want to live with them. In the family of God, we can't pick and choose our family members. And so Paul here is thinking in verses 4 to 7 of the characteristics that he has seen in Philemon's house church. They're the sorts of characteristics that he wants to see in the family of God everywhere. Let's look specifically at verse 5. He says, uh, I'll read verse 4 as well. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now here he's using a very clever device in, in, uh, um, that we see a fair bit in the New Testament in Paul's writing. It's called a schism. And that was because the thoughts are structured like the Greek letter chai. And I've put it on the bottom of your outlines so that it might be simple, simpler for you to understand. The two thoughts that Paul has are closely intertwined. Faith in Christ is the impetus to love others. Love of others is the hallmark of our life in Christ. And it's a theme that Paul has used before. If you can turn with me just quickly to Colossians... It's only back a few pages. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. Paul says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you all over the world. This gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. So here, Paul is using a similar similar idea but he's using the three great pillars of the Christian faith. Faith of the Christian life, I should say. Faith, hope and love. And these are not qualities that Paul considers to be natural to us or even something that we can develop. These traits are the consequences of God's work in our lives. Now secondly, in this part of the passage, he encourages Philemon in his daily life of evangelism. That's in verse 6. Paul is trying to encourage Philemon to allow Onesimus to come back 
So he's speaking about this as being a shared gospel ministry. He says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. And then he says, and then he talks about the good thing. And that good thing that Paul speaks about in the second half of the verse is the reinstatement of Onesimus. In verse 14, Paul says that he doesn't want to compel Philemon to take him back. He hopes that this good deed will be a spontaneous gesture. And then thirdly, Paul uses a most beautiful phrase in verse 7. Let me just read it again for us. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Isn't that a wonderful phrase? Refresh the hearts of the saints. How do we refresh the hearts of our brothers and sisters? Well, we can do this in many ways. We can be the person who looks out for our brothers and sisters who are struggling. We may offer comfort, hospitality, words of encouragement, prayer, or even just a smile. By the strength of his love and the gifts of that love, Philemon has strengthened the whole Christian community and to hear these things has blessed the heart of the old apostle in his room in Rome. Now we will get on to the reconciliation a bit later but I want to touch on one other point that jumped out at me from this passage and that is the whole thing about slavery. So why is slavery wrong? Is slavery wrong? Why is slavery wrong? Yeah, because a lot of people ended up in slavery for the very smallest of reasons, didn't they? It wasn't that they did something incredibly wrong. It might have meant that they didn't have a job, didn't have any money, and so they had to sell their children or their... Uh, members of their family into slavery. So that's, it didn't just come about from people being bad, it came about from a terrible circumstances that people had to go through. And we can't read this passage without thinking a little bit about slavery because Onesimus was a slave and we can't underplay the role of the slave in the first century. In the Roman Empire, slaves could be any nationality or gender. They had no legal or human rights. They could not marry. They could not purchase land. They were totally at the mercy of their owners. And they carried out every job possible in the Roman Empire, except perhaps for politics and the military. And maybe if maybe the politics would be better if we had slaves in there, I don't know. Some were treated terribly and they died in the care of their owners. Some were looked after very well. They were the lucky ones. Now, we're not told of the circumstances of Onesimus' slavery, only that he had run away from his master and had possibly stolen as well. Now, the punishment for a slave running away in the first century was very harsh indeed. If they were caught, they were frequently beaten unmercifully, or put to tasks in which their life expectancy was very short. 
they would have to wear a metal collar around their neck that marked them as a slave who had run away. So Onesimus was a man in trouble and he had run away from his master and he'd met Paul. Whether he ran away on purpose to find Paul, we don't know, we're not told, but he did. And in finding Paul, he's had a fundamental change in his life. He's met the Lord Jesus Christ. He has gone from being a runaway slave to a slave of Christ. Now forgiveness is a fundamental requirement for a Christian and Paul's first instinct is to encourage Philemon to accept him back. He even goes so far as to offer payment for what Onesimus stole. Paul points out in verse 15 that Onesimus' time away from his master to be with Paul may have been a God-sent exile for Onesimus to become a Christian brother. So Paul expects Philemon to welcome his runaway slave back, to accept him as a fellow Christian. And the reason this all works is love. Love which binds the Christian community together. Love that overlooks the frailty of others. Love that forgives and love that forgets. Now we may pause at this point to wonder why Paul did not demand that Philemon set Onesimus free. He never mentions that in the passage. Or at the very least to denounce the widespread use of slaves in the Roman Empire and beyond. But you see, I think that Paul was operating very much within the parameters of his mission. And his mission was the proclamation of the gospel. So certain social issues in the secular world like slavery, they were an issue for another time and another place. And perhaps we can learn something from Paul when we're tempted to jump on the latest particular social justice bandwagon. The gospel, the proclamation of the gospel has always got to be number one. So Paul's plea is that Philemon would forgive Onesimus and accept the man who had wronged him and let him down so severely. And so we move on to what I think is the, um, the, the last big point, the third point, and that is a lesson in forgiveness. And I want to ask you, when is it difficult to forgive? When is it difficult to forgive? All the time. (laughs) Is it worse? Is it worse to forgive someone? Is it easier to forgive someone when they've done something wrong in society than when they've done something personally to us? Which is... Yeah? So, you know, if a serial killer was to walk in the door, we'd say, yeah, we forgive you, but if someone's stolen our brand new Holden motor car, <laughs> it's harder to forgive that. <laughs> hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? Interesting to think about. 
This short letter is a great lesson for us about forgiveness. C.S. Lewis, that great Christian writer, said, we all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea until we have to practice it. It's hard for us to forgive others who have wronged us in some way. It's hard to forgive people when they do us wrong personally. It's even harder for us to forgive ourselves when we mess up. Paul was asking Philemon to do a difficult thing. He's standing amongst the community as a slave owner and his position of authority in his family would be under severe scrutiny. How would he be viewed by others in the community? As a slave owner who showed way too much leniency? How would he be be viewed by other slaves? Perhaps as a man who could be easily swayed to bend the rules. And of course, Philemon was taking the word of the Apostle Paul who was sitting some hundreds of kilometres away in house arrest in Rome. It's hard when people who have wronged us are restored. In accepting Onesimus back, Philemon had to forgive him. In doing so, he was declaring that Onesimus was his brother and not just his slave. Now, another way of looking at this whole situation might also be helpful. Onesimus ran away, but his flight did not take him out of God's providence. Human failures often become God's opportunities. A temporary loss was turned into an eternal gain. This story can show that even our darkest moments, our deepest despair and most dreadful disobedience can have some meaning in God's purposes. And there was a reason that we read the Romans passage and that's because Paul's overriding concern was for the church and its unity. And I want to finish just by looking back at those, those short verses in Romans 15. Romans 15, chapter 15, verse 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So when we think of reconciliation, of forgiveness, it's helpful sometimes to dwell on what Jesus has done for us. Jesus accepted us with all our sins and our frailty, all our rebellion and all our self-centeredness and that's why we must forgive others. That's why we must be accepting and welcoming so that God's name will be praised and his kingdom glorified. Please pray with me as we finish tonight. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you have forgiven us, that in your mercy you have made us your sons and your daughters. We pray that you would help us to be a unified family of God, 
who loves, who cares for each other, who forgives one another. Help us, Lord God, to shine like lights in the community that we live in so that others may glorify you. Amen.